0: Joining me in the MTPR studios today is coach of the Lady Grizz basketball team for more than 30 years. Is that right? Yeah, 38. Well, more than th- 38 years, Coach Rob Selvin. Coach, thank you so much for joining me today. Good to be here. Um, now, a lot of my keen listeners will wonder, you know, this is an art segment. Why are we chatting with the Lady Grizz basketball coach? Well, Rob, uh, you... are the subject of a documentary about yourself and the lady grizz basketball program the house that rob built um first of all congratulations on the documentary um when were you first approached about this
1: well megan harrington who's a producer uh and former player uh i guess it's four or five years years ago now this this has all gone fast um Approached me and I, I first I thought she was kidding because she was always a big prankster, <laughs> and uh, I wasn't too interested in having Megan make a film about me. And uh, turns out it wasn't a prank, and she had got me on many pranks over the years. So um, she ex- explained what she wanted to do, and and I don't know that she knew exactly at the time where the film was going to go completely, but I think it's a story about. The growth of opportunity, the growth of women's sports, the growth of women's basketball, and uh, since I had gotten in kind of on the very beginning of that, that I think is the story they ended up telling, and it's a good story.
0: It, it indeed it is. I, I recently saw the film, and it was it captivate, captivated me from beginning to end. Um, you were just to clarify. So, you, were you still coaching when she originally approached you about this?
1: Uh, no, I had, I had just retired that year when she, uh, approached me and, um, I I think what, I don't know, she, she can speak to it. I've heard her speak to how they had a surprise reunion for a bunch (laughs) of my former players, which was a really, really cool deal. And that was coming up quickly and that kind of forced her, I think, to because if she was going to do something, that was an alt- a great time because there was going to be so many players here and right. opportunity to interview and all those things. So, And I still never knew exactly. I, I didn't understand what it took to make a documentary and what it was all about, and I wasn't yeah. really comfortable with doing a, a documentary about me. Uh, I, I was okay with uh, Lady Grizz's program and even more okay when, when they talked about the growth of women's sports, opportunities for women. And uh, from when I took over coaching the program, it, it grew and I got to be a part of it.
0: Right. And and that's the thing that I found most fascinating about this particular interview. That it, It's clear that you had an impact um, on these women, uh, not just in sports, but in life in general. Um, there's a clear sense of... Um, equity um and respect that you had when it came to recruiting women for the basketball team is that right
1: well yeah i mean i i wanted to be a basketball coach and uh you know i i uh i learned from them and w- what we did was when you were when you're a basketball team and you're a basketball coach what you are in college you're going to share four years five years of your lives together yeah and and uh in a in a time where uh you know being that age is one of the difficult times i think growing up man or woman um so we shared those things and that's why that's what makes it become a family we had ups we had downs we shared them together the good times and the bad it's like your 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 real family i mean you, you go through all those things together and it it is just natural i think that you have an effect on each other and they had a, a great effect on me and and uh um, you know, I'm pretty proud of proud of all of them.
0: Now, you started the program basically from the ground up. Is that right? Yeah, there was a women's basketball
1: team here. I played at the university and graduated in '70 and or '74, excuse me. And sad to know there was a a, a basketball team women's team that I didn't even know about when I was playing yeah and they practiced in the old old men's gym and you know there was not it wasn't a league and it wasn't very organized so it really was the the ground level when I was this job came open I decided to go for it you didn't know where women's basketball was going um because it was in its infancy and uh it turned out to be a lucky break for me because it it started to grow we had 12 fee waivers when i first took the job mm. there wasn't a recruiting budget there wasn't much there you didn't know where it was going to go and uh it it took off title nine had a, a lot to do with it right. uh in terms of opportunities for women and it was, it was meaningful and fun to look back and, and be able to be a part of the growth of opportunities for women in sports.
0: Now, one of the subjects of the documentary, um, was your recruiting practices, which, you know, uh, it, it, it was mentioned that you looked outside of where people might typically look for basketball players. You would go to further reaches of Montana and reservations, um, which leads me to wonder, how does one even go about recruiting for a reservation?
1: Well, you know, when I first got the job, like I said, it wasn't a big recruiting, but it's not like you're going to recruit nationwide. Right. Uh, I coached women's high school basketball in Montana and played in Montana grew up in Montana, so I knew Montana. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... Uh, I come from a small town, 50 kids in our high school. So Outlook, right? Is Outlook, right? Montana. Yeah. And uh, so it was natural for me to be aware of, uh, plus I knew most of the coaches in the state, I was going to be aware of the talent around the state. And that was, I mean, we 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 re- we didn't recruit much out-of-state, start with because there was no budget, and, and, and you didn't really. Women's basketball is just getting started everywhere. Fortunately for me, uh, Montana women's basketball produced – High school women's basketball produced tons of good players. Uh, nobody was was hidden out in, in, in that regard just because I knew everybody in the state. I, I, I certainly would hear about if there was a good player somewhere. Yeah. And uh, uh, so I, you know, being a Class C Montana high school basketball player, I certainly wanted to look small schools, big schools, and everything. In terms of the reservation, um, you know, I there's a lot of talented Players on on the reservation, and uh, I was trying to get the best players I could, and uh, I didn't. I don't know if I'd called an obligation, but I wanted to give opportunities to uh, Native American women's basketball players if if they were good enough and yeah. wanted to pursue that, and uh, they certainly were, and uh, I had the good fortune of of being around some tremendous young ladies and. Learn from them. And I've always been fascinated with Native American culture. And it's such a big part of Montana's, the state of Montana and the history of it. And so that worked out to be a real positive for me.
0: Was there a period in your coaching career in which you felt that shift, where you felt interest really start to gain on Lady Grizz?
1: Well, there really was. There was one key moment that that it's kind of, oh, we've arrived. You know, not a lot of people were giving women's basketball a, a look. They weren't giving it a chance. They weren't going out. They didn't realize how talented the young women were becoming. But my first couple of years, first two or three years, we you know we got people. It grew a little bit, but I don't know what we averaged, six hundred, seven hundred, which relatively speaking was was good. Yeah. But we had a a, a good year. I, I, don't, I forget the year. It was eighty or eighty one, whatever it was, when we 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 were selected to host an NCAA game against Oregon State. Mm. And uh, I, I still re- I remember two things specifically. Harley Lewis, our athletic director, so many people were coming in that they were, he was running over and helping them pull out more bleachers. <laughs> and uh, the, the, the moment when, when it was a touching moment to me was when we went into the locker room and when we ran back out when you're going to enter the, the gym, and there was over 4,000 people there, and, <laughs> and it was loud, and it was and just the look on the ladies' faces as they, they – Entered that atmosphere was priceless.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Do you miss it?
1: Uh, I miss things about it. I'm. I did the right thing in retiring. I'm. I don't want to be missing time with my granddaughter and yeah. time with my parents. So it was the right thing. I miss being around young kids, young athletes. I mean, that was. Uh, I joke that now I'm hanging around with a bunch of old people, and uh, it's, it's, that, that's a little <laughs> different because I, I, I always said that being around these people keeps you young. But right. um, uh, I mean, I feel blessed to have gotten what I what I had. I'm super blessed. So, um, but I'm I'm in, enjoying retirement for a number of reasons.
0: In your retirement now, what's it like going to games? It was really
1: d- different the, the first year, more than anything. Uh, just just different. I mean, uh, obviously it's uh, – I, I wanted to uh, – I don't want to be emotionally involved. You know, I want to pull for the Lady Grizz, and I, I understand the the players. But, I mean, um, it's draining to – coaching is stressful and draining over a lot of years And that waking up every morning with with, a, with, with your, your gut hurting and wondering what's going to happen each day. I wanted to get away from that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, sorry to say, competitor – I feel I'm a great competitor, but I was worn out a little bit in that regard of just uh, every battle all the time. So um, I try and relax and just pull for the team and pull for the players and uh, not get too stressed out.
0: Coach Rob Selvig, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Tom. Joining me in the MTPR studios today is co-director of the film The House That Rob Built, Megan Harrington. Megan, thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here.
0: Now, for our listeners, the, doc, the, the documentary, The House That Rob Built, is about Coach Robin Selvig and the Lady Grizz and how the Lady Grizz has evolved and Ro- Coach Rob's association with them. Quick question for you, Megan. How did this project even come about?
2: Probably started when I was a little girl in fourth grade and I just didn't know it. I wanted to be a Lady Grizz. I wrote a poem, you know, in the fourth grade. That's what I wanted. And, and now, retrospectively, after having done this film, I realized I had the opportunity to have women role models. Yeah. That really wasn't the, the case across the country. So I ha- I, here I am, this little girl, aspiring to be a Lady Grizz. I, I get to have that dream become a reality, which I'm super grateful for. Rob retires. And I know that Rob has um, over 100 women coming back, but he doesn't know that. And I'm now in, in film and, and working on projects and specifically yeah. documentaries. And I thought, oh, we got to capture that. You've got to capture that reunion because it really will be the linchpin for the heart and soul of the film. So it started with uh, Rob's retirement and in full and that reunion being planned. And with within three months, over 100 women were coming back. So we said we, we've got to capture that.
0: Well, that actually brings up a really interesting point. Uh, there's clearly with a... a- documentary like this there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of people involved how
2: do you even go about reaching out to all of them (laughs) well it was it was an undertaking in and of itself now the wonderful thing is there was a list of people coming back for the reunion that so we could share information between the organizers gene mcnulty king and myself and our team to find out who was coming back what years they played people who were coming in from out of town would have been a priority on that first shoot and i think we did in total um 70 interviews for the film. Yeah. So so much content, but we really wanted to capture the depth and breadth of Rob's legacy.
0: Now you alluded to a little bit earlier, but we'd want to go ahead and clarify for our our listeners, you have a personal connection to this beyond being the co-director, you were in fact a Lady Grizz member of the of the basketball team.
2: I was. I was. And if you know Tom, I mean I'm sure listeners would know a little girl themselves that grew up to be a lady goes from their small town or their ranch or their reservation these places that the other coaches may not be looking at rob went he sought out players from the state of montana also beyond i mean it wasn't just montana but he really if a montana kid was good enough to play at the university of montana then rob wanted to give them a chance to play for their state and you talk about places 200 hundred thousand people that's a pretty big gift for a young lady.
0: Because you have this personal connection, do you think you approach the film a little differently than you would say if you didn't?
2: Yes. And you know what's wonderful is we had a great team. And as with anything in life, you know that in your work, the team... Teamwork makes the dream work, as mm. I like to say. And so we had individuals, John Sipity, one of the directors as well, from Syracuse. David Wollen, our DP, and Stephen Caserta, you know, California and Syracuse, editor Syracuse. They had no connection with the film. Um, Matt Donlin, Catherine Fowler, no connection with the film, but I did. So this is a really good balance of inside baseball versus we have to tell the best story that will captivate a national audience while set in the stage of beautiful big sky country.
0: Okay. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I just recently saw the film myself, and I can't recommend it to my listeners enough. Uh, but it's not a typical sports doc in that, yes, there are you know some game highlights, but this film is quite a bit about equality and women's rights and representation. and And what was really interesting is is mutual respect for success. Uh, the 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 team, the players that were interviewed, clearly just love Rob to death. And that feeling seemed to be absolutely mutual. I think you're right. I think that this will have a much broader appeal to just Montana sports fans. And is that something you were actually going for? Or were you trying to go for just, just fans of the state and people that really knew Lady Grizz?
2: So if we could hit this right, this story is king. And if we can hit it right, the people who were part of it, the people who helped build it, the, the community, the state, they will feel part of it. They will feel empowered. And I hope that they will say that is our story. That story, I'm part of that. That is beautiful. While people across the country, whether they're in Massachusetts or New York, could watch this, I hope, and that they will watch it and find themselves in that because it's a human story. So they will say, "I don't, I don't care where you live, I can connect to this because you're talking about real human events. You're talking about emotions that I can feel. We wanted to draw the viewer in and have them feel part of the story. Where can people go to
0: actually see this? People are interested in actually seeing the the film work, and they go to, to check it out.
2: You can check out the House That Rob Built Movie So the House That Rob Built Movie It's out and available to the world, to the country, to the nation. would be wonderful if you." You know, everybody's inundated with things to watch. And here's something inspiring. I think right now in this time, a little inspiration, a little motivation could go a long way. So, you know, when you do turn on the house that Rob built, um, I hope it's an experience that you're proud of and you're emotionally invested in. I may just mention, so you you had brought it up, so I might just say, you know, what happened at the dawn of Title IX when Rob took over, it was just, basketball really wasn't a thing in women's, women's, okay, when Rob took over in 1978, Title IX was really just being implemented in, in terms of, okay, you've got to start making these changes, and what Rob did here, and the foundation he gave the women, who were not used to somebody coaching them like an athlete, who were not used to somebody expecting more of them than they thought they could give really built a legacy for other women to follow. I mean, that was a model for generations. So these trailblazers, these women from the late 70s, I just cannot thank them enough. And I hope young women around the country will realize what great sacrifices had to go into making women's sports popular. And it was on the backs of those women. And a lot of them from small town Montana, ranches, reservations, places that people don't normally go to or acknowledge, they, they put their shoes on and they showed montana and they showed the country that they came to play and that they were great
0: and rob started this from the ground up basically Ground right? up
2: he built it that's the part of the house that rob built he built it. he did not inherit anything he built it and then he left it when he yeah. retired for others to take the reins and continue the legacy didn't end with rob the legacy continues megan harrington thank you so much for joining me today thank you tom